Good morning, everyone. Let's get into the uh, word for today. Now, we are so often inspired by messages we hear from good Bible teachers, and here, at, especially here at Gateway, you know, I'm always encouraged when Tom and Leo share the word and also the other visiting contributors, you know, speak, visiting speakers, when they speak and share the word, word of God. And I've learned a lot from these brothers, and I'm really thankful to the Lord for them. So what I wanted to share today was actually inspired by one of the messages that Leo gave called A Failure to Trust God. Now, I, I, I do apologize if I go over any of the things that he is already covered. Now, when, as Leo was sharing, God began to stir in my spirit about one of the things that he touched on. So a couple of days ago, a couple of days later, I was led to start preparing a message based on that. So with that in mind, I want to first of all turn to our main reading for today, which is in Numbers chapter 20, verses 1 to 13. Numbers 20, verses 1 to 13. Then the children of Israel, the whole congregation, came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh, And Miriam died there and was buried there. Now, there was no water for the congregation, so they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. And the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Why have we brought up the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness, that we and our animals should die here? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock, and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered gathered the assembly together before the rock, And he said to them, Here now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with this rod, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me, to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. This was the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel contended with the Lord, and it was hallowed among them. The title for today's talk is Speak to the Rock, from verse 18, verse, sorry, verse 8. Verse 8, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, 
gather the congregation together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. Speak to the rock. This is the second of two identical incidents. But in each case, God gives a different, different set of instructions to, Mo, instructions to Moses. So let's first also uh, read the other incident, which is in Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 to 7. Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 to 7. Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin according to the commandment of the Lord and camped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people contented with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel, also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the, wall, struck the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and the water will come out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because of the contention of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? It almost sounds like, almost sounds like the same story, uh, but there are two different incidents. One, they were in the wilderness of Zin, Z-I-N, and this is in the wilderness of Sin, S-I-N, uh, two different places. Now, the first incident, which is in Exodus 17, happened right at the beginning of the Exodus journey. And the second incident happens actually up towards the end of the journey. But after 40 years of all that God had done, you know, it seems as if the people had learned nothing at all. They were still grumbling and murmuring. You know, here in the second incident, most of the, their fathers have died, but the children are doing the same thing that the fathers were doing. Now, the, the similarities between the two, we, let's go through some of the similarities between the two. And both of these events are triggered because there is no water for the people to drink. And being in a desert, you can understand their desperation. If you're thirsty... And you know it takes you know it doesn't take very long for you to die in a, in a in a in a desert from thirst. But the way they reacted, though, is, is was as if they had they had a short memory. They seemed to forget that God had provided for them uh, over the years. You know, over the forty years, how He provided for them manna and meat to eat and water from the rock in the first incident. In 
both cases, they blame Moses and they contend with him. In both cases, Moses warns them that they are really rebelling against God and not really with Moses. They are rebelling. The rebellion is, is against God. They will complain about being brought out of Egypt. And, you know, as we look at it, we, we can say the grass is always greener. You know, they forget what really happened in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. And they're saying that was better for them. Um, and, you know, and even in our own situations, we think, you know, it was better before. You know, why am I in this situation? Or, you know, we tend to forget uh, where we sometimes, where we came from. Now, putting their lives in danger, they also complained about that, that Moses had put their lives in danger in the desert, even though they had seen the way in which the Lord defended them, protected them from all kinds of evil that could have come upon them, from the Egyptians and all the things that could have happened to them in the desert. The Lord protected them. And in both cases, Moses cries out to the Lord. He's being an intermediary for the people. And, and, and you can see that several times God, you know, Moses intervenes uh, when the people rebel against God. Now Moses is instructed by God to take the rod with him and, and is given specific instructions on what to do in both cases. Now both of these places are are referred to as Meriba, and Meriba is means contention. So in both cases, they're contented with God. Now I do believe these are geographically two different two different locations. One is Kadesh. The second incident happens in a place called Kadesh, and the first one is Mount Horeb. Now, what about the uniqueness of these two two incidents? For the first one, which is Mount Horeb, now Moses, is, in this case, is told to strike the rock and he, and he obeyed the Lord and he turned out well. Verse 6 of Exodus, uh, the Exodus reading that we did, Exodus 17, verse 6 says, Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb and you shall strike the rock and the water will come out of it that the people may drink. And that, that's actually exactly what happened. He struck the rock and the water came out. Now, but in this case, in the case at Horeb, they not only contended with the Lord, they also tested him and they tempted the Lord as well. So Massa and Meribah, okay, they tested the Lord, and they, tempt, uh, they, they contended with the Lord. So that's why it's called Massa and Meribah. And they also, uh, they also tempted the Lord. And they questioned the Lord, and they also questioned the Lord. Is the Lord among us? You know, after all that he had done, you know, they questioned, is the Lord really among us? They've seen everything that he had done, and they're questioning as the Lord, is the Lord really among us? So, you know, verse 7 says, so he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the contention of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? Now, what about the uniqueness of the incident in, in Kadesh, the, the second incident? 
In this, this, the specific instruction that God gives Moses is to speak to the rock. Now, verse 8 says, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and the animals. In his message, Leah pointed out that God never instructed Moses to strike the rock in that in second incident. He told Moses very specifically to speak to his speak to the rock. Now I used to think, you know, um, that the, in in the second incident, the the problem was that Moses hit the rock twice, and and that wasn't at all. It was about disobeying God, um, and and not striking not because he, he struck the rock because he disobeyed uh, because he was told very specifically to speak to the rock now what about Moses's action in, in this incident Moses confronts the people in anger now never, God never told him to do that he took he almost seemed to take things into his own hands now Moses speaks as if Aaron and himself it is, you know, he speaks as if it's himself and Aaron that are bringing the water out for them. Moses did not believe that God had said and struck the rock twice instead of speaking to it. He, he, you know, he didn't really believe what God was telling him. Or he seemed to sort of forget his bearings somehow. Now in the second incident, Moses makes a very fatal mistake. But he starts off right. He knows that he has no power in himself to satisfy their thirst. So he falls on his face along with Morin, uh, sorry, along with Aaron at the door of the tabernacle meeting and the Lord appeared to them. Now, and, and this is where the Lord tells him to take the rod and go and speak to the people. But instead of doing that, he struck the rock did he remember what had happened in the first incident? He just tried to repeat it. Moses failed to follow God's command and, and he took matters into his own hand. To God, this is a serious matter. Leaders are put in a place to follow God's command. In 1 Samuel 15, 23, we hear about a, the disobedience of Saul 1 Samuel 15, 22 to 23 says, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Following, not following God's command, his instructions has dire consequences. And the consequences for Moses was given straight away in verse 12 of, uh, uh, of um, Numbers 20. Verse 12. He says here, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given you. The, the, the consequence of Moses' action 
was that you will not be able to enter the, to the end of the promised land. We read later on, though, in Deuteronomy, that God allowed Moses to see the promised land from a distance. In Deuteronomy 32, verses 51 and 52. Deuteronomy 32, 51 and 52 says, Because you trespassed against me among the children of Israel at the waters of Meribah and Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin, because you did not hallow me in the midst of the children of Israel, yet you shall see the land before you, though you shall not go there into the land which I am giving to the children of Israel. That was the consequence of his actions, that he will not be allowed to enter the land. But God allowed him to gaze at it from a distance. Now, when we are called by God to do something, people will complain and murmur and oppose. And, and other people will disappoint us. But, but Paul said, I, I run towards the goal for which Christ has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In Philippians 3, 12 to 14, not that I have already attained or I am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching towards those things which are ahead, are pressed toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. When God tells us to do something, we stay focused on what God has taught us to do. Let nothing hinder you. Now, what can we learn from these incidents? And why speak to the rock? Bible tells us that God is the rock. There are about 58 Bible passages, Bible verses that refer to God as the rock. Here's a couple of verses to look at. First, in the Song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32, Deuteronomy 32 verse 3 to 4 says, For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. He is the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of truth and without injustice, righteousness and upright is he. And we sing that song, you know, ascribe greatness to our God. The rock. He is the rock. And in Samuel, Second Samuel 23, 2-3, it says, He is the rock of Israel. Verses 2-3, Second Samuel 23, 2-3. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to me, and His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spoke to me. He who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. So he is the rock of Israel. And in Psalm 94, we read, But the Lord has been my defense and my God, the rock of my refuge. So in Psalm 94, he is our refuge. In Psalm 94, 22, God, the rock, is our refuge. And Tom mentioned that song where, the, where that song, uh, The Rock of Ages, I think it was Rock of Ages, Clef for Me, where he took cover in, in a rock uh, and it was protected from the elements of a coming storm. Uh, and, you know, God is our defense. He's our rock. He's our rock of refuge. Now, there are many, many more verses, you know, pointing to God as the rock. And, 
And through the two passages that we read earlier, I believe God is trying to teach us something about the relationship with, you know, that we have with Him. And right from the but right from the beginning of creation, we see that God, or the Bible, is relational. He created man in His own image, and we see He communicates with Adam. He walks with them, and He talks with them. And that is the plan that He has for man. That is the desire that He has for man. However, after the fall, things begin to go down. Relationship break up. Adam and he, you know, tries to hide from God. And ever since then, man has been trying to do the same thing. And we, you know, even in our, sinf- in, in our sinful nature, we try to hide f- from God so often, you know, especially when we fall into sin. Now, after that, at that, the time of the birth of Enosh, we read that men began to call on the name of the Lord in Genesis 4.26. And as for Seth, to him also a son was born, and he named him Enosh. Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. And as we continue to the time of the flood, only one man is communicating with God, Noah. Now, you know, I believe there were possibly millions of people living on the world at that time. Maybe millions, I don't know, billions or whatever it may be. But there was only one man who found favor in the eyes of the Lord, talking to God. We don't hear Moses' or Noah's wife talking to God. We don't hear Noah's children talking to God. There is one man, and that I find absolutely incredible. It is you know, frightening in a lot of ways. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the end of the age. And that's the days we are going into. Now, in the New Testament, referring directly to the two incidents of rock, we are taught specifically that Jesus was the rock that followed them in the wilderness. Tom also mentioned that earlier today. Uh, In 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 to 4, 1 Corinthians 10, 1-4 says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. If Jesus was that was the one that followed them and they drank from, he must also be the one that was struck figuratively in the wilderness. In Isaiah 53, 4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was stricken. In the wilderness, he was stricken for our trans- because of our transgressions. And we also read in Psalm that when the rock was hit, it was also split. In Psalm 78, verse 15, he split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink in abundance like the depths. So he gave them water from the rock in abundance 
He split the rock. And in fact, you know, some, some people, I mean, this is not the traditional, uh, traditional site of um, uh, Sinai, but there's some new research going on they were they found this location in Saudi Arabia where there is what they believe to be the rock that was struck in Horeb and, and this is what the what it looks like. And and you can see a split from the top down. And uh you know uh, and a lot of people, you know, think this is the place. And there are a lot of things happening around there and also uh this is also called the you know alternate um Location for for the mountain of God, and and the locals there also call it the mountain of God rather than the one in in the Sinai Peninsula, um, and um, and you know there is there is this picture and it's quite in, interesting that it is split from the top to bottom. That rock is actually about seventy feet tall, and 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 from there water would have gushed out and and was able to you know, give water to, you know, I don't know, one to two million people that, you know, left Egypt in the Exodus. Um, I don't know the exact numbers that left, but that's, you know, what some of the estimates say. Now, I do see a parallel between this splitting of the rock and and what happened on the cross, Jesus' death on the cross. As Jesus was lay, was lying dead on the cross. I see the temple veil being torn in two. Matthew twenty seven fifty one says, Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earthquake and the rocks were split. The work of salvation was finished, the torn veil signifying that through the finished work of Calvary, it was once again possible for man to enter into God's presence. God allowed his son, the rock, to be struck and split. He, was rem- he has removed the curtain. He has made it possible for us to come into his presence. Today we can come to the rock of our salvation to confess our sins and say sorry and ask him for, for, for his forgiveness. He will reward us with his salvation. Now the split rock provided an abundance of water for the people to drink, that they may not die in the desert, but live. Likewise, Jesus gives us life-giving water, leading to eternal life. He said to the woman at the well in John 4, 13-14, Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water I shall give him will never thirst. But the water I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into eternal life. And John seven thirty eight says, he who, he who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Without Jesus, I've, our life is lived out in a deserted and parched land. Without the rock of our salvation, we will die of hunger and thirst. This is why we need Jesus. And this is why Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for my righteousness, for they shall be filled. In the second incident at Kadesh, there was no need 
for Moses to strike the rock. All he had to follow, all he had to do was to follow God's instructions and speak to the rock. And going back to Psalm 78, we read there that the, the, the rocks were split, a plural. In Psalm 78:15, he split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink in abundance like the depths. So like the first rock in Horeb, there, there was another rock in, in Kadesh that was also split. So if the splitting of the rock made the way for us to enter into a relationship with God, the second split brings a separation from God. So the first one made it possible for us. As, the, as we see the curtains being torn in two, it made it possible to come into God's presence. You know, before that, only the priest was to enter the Holy of Holies, but he made it possible through what happened on the cross for us to come into his presence. But the second one, the second strike, prevented Moses from entering into the promised land. Now, as I summarize, let's go through some of the, some of the things that had happened here. Now, we read how Moses was to speak to God in the presence of the congregation to hallow him. Okay? You know, he was to, you know, show and to lift up. You know, we, you know when we did uh, uh, one, of the, one of my talks on uh, the Amalekites, you know, you know, they lifted up a banner to the Lord. Okay, and, and Moses was to do something similar here to hallow the Lord before the congregation. But it's interesting that the passage still goes on to say he was still hallowed. Okay, but Moses, you know, did pay the consequence, uh, you know, consequences for his error. Now, instead. Moses acted independently of God and some, to some extent took the glory for himself and Aaron and also made it look as if made it look as if it was them that the people were rebelling against where all along it was the God that their complaint was against. Now this incident led to the consequence that Moses would not be leading the people into the promised land. Later on in scripture, we read that Moses was allowed to view the promised land from a long distance away from the top of a mountain. After 40 years in the wilderness, walking with God, seeing and performing all the miracles and yet missing out. It was only at the transfiguration that Moses enters the promised land. Let's learn a lesson from it. God allowed Jesus to be struck once. But in rebellion, people continued to take aim at him and reject him. The first time he was struck turned out to be for our benefit. He made the way possible for us to reconnect with God. Now, people who continue to strike at Jesus will have to face a consequence much greater than Moses. They will miss out on the promised land to which he has invited us and that is eternal separation from God. If you're living and doing it for yourselves, if you're doing it to hallow your own name, 
If you're arrogant and think you can do it all, you don't need God. This rock of offense will fall on you. Isaiah 8.14 says, He will be as a sanctuary, but a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, and a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Now referring to these Exodus events, Hebrews says, and and tells us not to harden our hearts. In Hebrews three seven to eleven, it says here. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trouble in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw so my works forty years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said. They always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I soar in my wrath. They shall not enter my rest. And this is the thing that we want to avoid in our lives. You know, rebellion, continuous rebellion against God. It will bring an ultimate separation from God into a place of darkness where there is not the presence of God. And there will be such a yearning in you to have God, but you can never satisfy that thirst. And only Jesus, as he provided water for the people in the wilderness, is able to do that for us. If we come humble ourselves before him, surrender our lives to him completely. And I want to finish off today by reading Isaiah 55. And it, is, and it is titled, An Invitation to Abundant Life. Isaiah 55. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? and your wages for what does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people, a leader and commander for the people, Surely you shall call a nation you do not know, and nations you do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your, Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the righteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon for our thoughts are not our, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down, and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, 
and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I send it. For you shall go out with joy and be let out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree. And instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. And that's what we need. You know, God is looking for people to come to him, speak to him, to have that relationship with him. And that's the example of what Moses was supposed to do in, at, the, at the foot of that rock there. And, and God is calling us, each and every one of us, to come before him and to seek him, to seek his face to stand before and speak to him. The least, as I said before, is that we can humble ourselves before him and call out to him for his salvation. Ask him to forgive us for our sins so that his life may come into us and he may restore us to himself. Amen.